Hey, this is Pastor Jesse of City Lights Church, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. We hope that it inspires you and confirms the fact that the kingdom of God is a present reality in our lives that you get to live out. You get to be God's ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. That's exciting news. We also hope that our messages challenge your identity to help you understand who you really are in Christ. I hope that you're blessed by this message today. A reading from the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Christ Jesus. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. I'm always honored to be up here speaking to you. I realized this as I was preparing my message that I actually started off last year on January 1st preaching. I preached the beginning of the year. Now I get to close the year out preaching, which is pretty fun. Uh, You know, there's actually 53 Sundays this year because of the way the year started. And so I'm always honored to be up here. Uh, I'm a little sick today. So if I start coughing, please excuse me. I'm living on NyQuil. Well, Dayquil, not Nyquil. <laughs> if I'm living on Nyquil, I'll be in trouble right now. Uh, but please be praying for my family. My wife and kids are still back in Maryland, sick. Uh, we had COVID before Christmas, got over COVID, and then somehow got some upper respiratory thing during Christmas. So uh, I miss my kids. I wish they were home with me, but they're still in Maryland. Uh, but I want to start today about talking about, we sang a Christmas song today. Most of us grew up in church, and Christmas Day happened, and then Christmas was just over with the decorations were taken down. How many of you have already taken down your decorations? Oh, Lauren, only one person. I'm about to shame you. I'm just kidding. Uh, Christmas is not over. Uh, Just as we were hesitant to rush into Christmas by celebrating Advent, we wanted to sit in Advent and wait for Jesus. When Christmas happens, Christmas actually isn't over for another five days. January 5th is Epiphany. And so I encourage you, get those lights back out. Feast some more. I know this is tough because New Year's starting. We want to like start fasting and like limiting sweets from our lives January 1st, but we're still in a season called Christmas Tide, and it's a season of feasting and celebrating uh, and Jesus. So bring those trees back out, Lauren. Get the tree out of the trash wherever you put it. Put it back up. 
Christmas is still here. Let's feast. Let's enjoy the story of Christ some more. And let's just not pass by this time. Uh, Christmas is still happening. I've been watching so many Christmas movies because my kids aren't home, so I just watch movies all day long. I've seen probably every Christmas movie made. The terrible ones, the good ones. I've watched every version of a Christmas carol possible. And there's some bad ones out there. Uh, but I've been enjoying this Christmas time. Uh, but today I want to talk about uh, the word becoming flesh. It's such an awesome term, and we're so used to hearing this verse. Uh, but before that, I want to tell you a quick story. And in 2019, uh, I went to New York City with Jesse and Andy, and we did the, like, the classic New York City things. We uh, made them walk up. I always do this, so don't come to New York with me if you don't want to walk. We, I will always walk up to Strawberry Fields in Central Park, the John Lennon Memorial, because I love the Beatles. And that's a far walk from where you get where you park. <laughs> so like we walked up there, didn't have to walk all the way back. I love doing that. We stopped at some coffee shops, got probably the best bagel I ever had in my life. But that wasn't the reason we were there. We were there because one of my heroes, a guy who has read all, most of his books, listened to his podcast, was there speaking. That man was N.T. Wright. If you've been at this church for more than two months, you hear us mention N.T. Wright all the time because he's a, one of the leading New Testament theologians, a well-respected person throughout the whole uh, church world. And I, I, I wanted to see him face to face. And so we're there, and the first session, we sort of sit in the middle of the church, and he's speaking, and we leave and go get lunch. And then the night session, I'm like, wait, there's seats like up front that have more leg room. They're on the side. So like we're staring, he's like preaching this way, but we're staring at him this way. And I was like, let's sit here because it's more comfortable. And so we sit there and then he's done speaking and he gets up and starts walking towards us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, N.T. Wright is coming towards us. And so I stand up and like reach out my hand and go, that was awesome. Thank you. And the story would be funnier if he didn't shake my hand, and like brush me by because... <laughs> That's what usually happens when you meet your heroes. They don't turn out to be good. But he shook my hand and said, thank you, and just kept walking. I turn and I'll go, okay, Andy and Jesse must have, like, stood up to shake his hand. And they're just sitting down. And I was like, guys, this is N.T. Wright. I was mad at them. I didn't wash my hand for, like, three months. <laughs> but the guy I read, the guy I listened to forever was there in the flesh. And I think N.T. Wright would chuckle today if he heard my message, which he never will, uh, comparing him to this verse in John about Jesus becoming word became flesh. But that's the only story I have to sort of compare to meeting someone I've read and listened to and heard, and there he was in flesh, and I got to shake his hand, and I still make fun of Andy and Jesse for never shaking his hand. I don't know why. They don't care about that type of thing, but I was like, N.T. Wright in the flesh. N.T. Wright has a perfect English accent. If you, can, if you want to listen to someone, it's N.T. Wright. Look up his podcast, ask N.T. Wright anything, and just listen to him. He's a brilliant man, uh, but he's not Jesus. So today we're learning about Jesus. And John, this is the intro to John that Jesse read today. And John, if you don't know, uh, is my favorite book. I've mentioned that here a lot. It's one of my favorite gospels. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible because John is just so different. He doesn't start with a manger scene. He doesn't start with a nice birth story of an angel coming to Mary. He starts with a poem. It's a poem with one of the most recognizable lines. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And all things were made through him, and without him, not, any, not anything made that was made. So in the beginning, before any creation, there was a word that was with God, and it was God. And this word created everything. The word brought everything in mind-blowing to me, that that is how God does something. It says in the Bible, he humbled himself and came to earth. How many know that you, when you're God, to step into your own creation and become a baby is pretty humbling, Correct that you need to be cared for, 
The God who created the world needs to be cared for, needs to be fed, needs to be brought up, needs to be raised. That is not what I picture a God doing, right? Anyone with me that is not, we don't expect Bill Gates to step down and start sweeping Microsoft. He might. He might become the janitor. Who knows? But, like, it's not what we think a person of high standard does, especially a God. This is the one who created the cosmos, who placed the stars in the sky, and some, for some reason, he chose to become flesh and dwelt among us. It is just mind-blowing to me that he humbled himself and came as a baby in a manger. And this is the good news of Christmas. This is the great news of Christmas. This is why we can say Merry Christmas. What does this mean for us? And if you heard, if you were here at our candlelight service, I'm going to repeat a few things I said because I, I like to remind us of this every year. The good news of Christmas is that God isn't scared of your darkness or your flesh, right? That he steps into that darkness. He steps into his creation. When everyone else is trying to escape creation, where our goal is to get out of here, we want to just be somewhere else, God steps into it. And that's good news for us today because I know some of you here have things in your past or are dealing with things now that you're like... God can't meet me. It's too much for God. And he's proven in this that he will come to the darkest areas. And I love how there's a promise here. The light shines and darkness does not overcome it. So today, if you're dealing with feelings of, of sin and darkness, saying, God, I'm, I'm, I'm too far away from God. I'm, God has proven himself to inject himself into your story no matter what. And that is the good news of Christmas. The author steps in the story and he redeems the world. There's a lot of new creation language here when he says he's the light. What does that remind you of? There was light. It reminds you of Genesis. Jesus started a new creation when he stepped in the world and brought new light and brought something new to the world that is life-changing for us. He wasn't scared of what we had become. He wasn't scared of the sin of the world, the turning away of hearts from God. He stepped into it and said, here I am. So today I encourage you, if you feel far off, you're not. I encourage you, if you feel like you're in too much sin, you're not. God is willing to step down in and meet you where you're at. He's proven it time and time again that he meets us where we're at. There's also good news here that God is with us. When it says he dwelt with us, that word actually means tabernacled with us. It's an Old Testament language of the tabernacle of God being with us. That his presence that we thought was in a tabernacle just came down and dwelt with us. And he's here. The presence of God is with us now all around us. I know a lot of times we're always like, where is God? He's here. He's, he's made a tent and made a dwelling place among us. His presence is here among us. God with us, Emmanuel. And there's a promise in this <clears throat> that those who re receive him and those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Isn't that mind-blowing? We have this starting off where there's just one person with God. They use the word and he was with God and he becomes God's only begotten son. But then somehow through all that redemption, we are now called sons and daughters of God. I don't think we realize that enough in our lives, that our identity isn't sons and daughters of this world, sons and daughters of our circumstances, sons and daughters of our family problems. Our identity is sons and daughters of God. 
that we now have a place in the family of heaven. Isn't that good news? I see a lot of people shaking their head, but I need a lot more smiling and shaking head. This is the Merry Christmas today. This is good news that God has not only redeemed the world, he's brought us into his family, and we're now called sons and daughters of God. That is our identity. I want to challenge you. Anytime thoughts come in your head where you're saying, I'm not good enough, there's an overarching thought of God saying, you are good enough. You are my son. You are my daughter. I want to challenge you on that today, that there's so many times in my own life personally where, like, something goes wrong and I automatically start doubting myself and doubting what I'm called to and doubting what God's told me. That's always the devil. It's always the accuser. And it's always usually just ourselves thinking about stuff about ourselves when God's overarching theme over us is I love you and you're my son and you're my daughter. That we are children of God now. That we are, we are in he came, became flesh, recognized us. He showed us how to be a human and live like God. That is, he redeemed humanity and said, this is how humanity should be living. And he showed us the way of being human and being with God. He said, you are now sons and daughters of God. And this is important for us because we are now no longer bound by our flesh. The flesh desires all these crazy things. And God's like, you know what? You're not born of the flesh. You're not born of blood, not born of man, but you're born of my spirit. His spirit has redeemed us and redeemed our flesh into being children of God. I think that is the, what we need to like walk through our lives with, knowing that who we are in Christ is children of God, that we are redeemed. We're not sinful, we're saints. And we recognize our sin and we still sin, but we can't let that be our identity. That's why we have confession every week to say, hey, you know what? We're sinners. We confess it every week and then we do a thing where we I just lost the word because I'm feeling sick. But we, we pray over it and say, you know you're not sinners. God has redeemed you. But that is how we walk in this world, as children of God. And that is such good news that I could just end the sermon there. And we could all go home happy. But I also think there's a challenge in this text to us now as children of God, to how we live our lives in this world. And if I want to be honest if we want to be honest with each other and honest with a lot of the story of the church these days, is it seems like we're just trying to escape this world. Am, am I right? It seems like there's a lot of theology of like, let's get out of here. I can't wait. I've got a mansion up over on the hilltop. That was a hymn we used to sing back in the day. I've got a mansion up over the... No one sang that? And like, I remember singing that in church. Like We're just looking for a day when we're out of here and we're gone. And we're somewhere else. We don't have to deal with our flesh. We don't have to deal with the sin in the world. And we have this escapist mentality. Where we run from the dark, we run from the flesh, we run from the sin. And yet, as I'm reading this poem in John, I see Jesus doing the exact opposite. That where there's darkness, he interjects his life and light. Where there's sin, he meets the person there. And it says here, he shows grace upon grace. Grace upon grace, not just grace, grace upon grace. And I realized in my own life that I run from the mess. I run from the darkness. I turn my eye when I see struggle and things because I don't want to deal with it. And yet the story of the incarnation of Christ is he deals with it. He enters into that mess. And there's a part here in John where when he dwelt among us, how, and he became flesh, that would actually be really offensive to the Jewish culture that day because 
most of the people in that day viewed flesh as bad. Like they, they didn't want, like flesh was sin. It was, and it died, flesh died. And yet Jesus inserted himself into the mess, into the flesh. That is counter of what the people thought a God would do. And flesh became such a bad looking thing and flesh was viewed as bad, but Christ became flesh. What does that mean for us? We see here that John states in this poem, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Why did his own people not receive him? Because they were looking for a different God. They did not think a God would be a God that sat with sinners. They did not think a God would be a God that broke the laws of the Sabbath to feed his disciples. They did not think a God would be drinking amongst tax collectors. They thought he was supposed to be something different, and they missed him. And I realized in my own life, all these times, I'm missing God doing something because I'm not looking in the right places. I'm thinking he's supposed to be doing something this, and yet he's down with the homeless camp on Olive Street, meeting them where they're at, where I, I run from that thing most of the time. I'm, I, it makes me nervous seeing that, but that's where God is. And that's where he's calling us to go. That the story of the incarnation isn't running from darkness. It isn't an escape route out of this world. It's our injection into this world, into the darkness, into the mess, into the dirt, into the mangers, that we're called to be a people of the incarnation where we go into those dark places and we are the light now. He called us sons of God. So what did the son of God do? Did he just leave and say, peace out? No, he stayed. So our job now, and this Christmas time, we are greatly reminded of this, is that we have a mission now. Lots of people will always, like I remember growing up in youth group, I was like, I don't know what I'm called to do. What is God calling me to do? I, don't, I mean, I grew up in church, so that was like a thought, everyone, like, what has God called you to do? I'm like, I don't know. Like, but God's called us all to do one thing, go to the darkness insert ourselves into the mess, into the yuck of this life, and be the light and be the life that people need. And if we're honest with ourselves, we, we spend a lot of time, and I've preached on this recently going through Philippians, that we've, we spend a lot of time just looking at the darkness and going, ugh, like this world's going to hell. Like we'd spend a lot of time just reading the news and doom scrolling and going, oh my God, so many things terrible things are happening. Let's just get out of here. And God is saying, no, go into there. And he's not saying go sin with them. He's saying go bring my light and my grace upon grace to these people, to this darkness. We are not called to escape this world. We're called to be in this world as light-bearing, Christ-bearing figures of his grace upon grace to this world. I don't want to be the religious people of that day that said, this isn't God, this isn't what God does. Like, they missed, and part of me, reading, if you read through all of John, John's whole book is him trying to say, hey, Jesus is God. Like, and he does all these signs, and he has these verses about what Jesus is doing. And every time, the Pharisees are like, nope, he's not. And every time I read that, I'm like, these guys are losers. But I know if I was there, I'd be saying the same thing. If I was there and I was raised reading the scripture and thinking God acted a certain way and that God was holy and righteous and he had to come to the, those who like, were righteous and living their lives right, 
And then Jesus shows up, and he's eating with sinners and tax collectors. A prostitute wipes her oil and wipes his hand. And they're like, this can't be God. And it was. And they missed him. And I'm realizing in my life, all these times I thought God was going to do something my way, and he's doing something a different way. I've just missed him. And I want to challenge you today to be looking in the mess and the darkness and the dirt, because I guarantee you, I don't even guarantee, like God is there doing something. And he's calling us to those spots as well. What would it look like if we hung out with our, our coworkers that we don't really like that are telling us all our problems instead of just saying, oh, deal with it and going home and going, oh, at least we're not them. What if we inject ourselves in their lives and show them what grace looks like and what God looks like? What does it look like when we hear these darkest things that the world's going through and we inject ourselves into those and, and show the light of Christ to people? How many times have I missed God doing something because I'm looking for a God that's not the actual God? And I love how John ends this section. He's like, no one's seen God, but you know what? They saw Jesus, and Jesus is a perfect example of God on the earth. And so we're about to go into a time in the church calendar called Epiphany, where it means the Christ has come, and now we go out as Christ. And I want to encourage you to start reading through the Gospel of John during that time, just to see what Jesus did on his time on the earth. Because if he's the purest example of God, if we've seen, we haven't seen God, but we've seen Jesus, and he shows what God is like, let's start doing what Jesus is doing. Let's start practicing the things he practiced. Let's start living the way he lived, because he's the example of God. And let's start loving the way he loved. When I look at Jesus and I see what he did, he loved enemies. He went to the most broken places. He encountered that demon-possessed man that no one wanted to deal with. And he went to him. He goes to the broken people. He goes to the sinners. He goes to the cripples. He goes to the people that need food. And he meets them where they're at. And then in his final act, he's crucified as an innocent man. And he doesn't call down anyone to help him. I don't know about you, but if I'm getting crucified, I'd be pretty bitter <laughs> if I was innocent. I'd be cursing out everyone, right? I'd be crying all my injustice, yet God hung on that cross for us. And that is the purest picture of God, a self-sacrificing God who forgives as he's on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And most of the times we're walking around going, Father, don't forgive them. I know what they're doing. <laughs> and God is saying there's a better way to this life. Inject yourself into the mess. Find the brokenness. That's where I am. That's where I want you to move. That's what I'm doing. That we are now people of the incarnation. I used to have on my Facebook profile, I took it off because it, my wife's like, when my friends look you up, your title says incarnational resurrectionist. I'm like, that does sound like I'm a terrorist. <laughs> But I did it because I'm like, I believe that the incarnation matters, that Jesus injected himself into this world matters for me. And then I also believe that his resurrection matters. I called myself an incarnational resurrectionist. As I think that's off my Facebook. I forgive you if you looked me up and, and were like, what the heck is this guy? Is this guy doing something weird with this time? But that's who we are. The, the incarnation matters to us. That God put himself into this world, into the flesh, and into the darkness and said, here's my light, let it shine. And the resurrection matters. He died on a cross, rose again, and now there's new life in this world. That something new happened that day. 
uh, when he died and rose again. And so I want to just close today just with a, f- a few thoughts we can reflect on before the worship team comes up. <coughs> that I just want to like ask, if you want to just ask yourself in this quiet time, like where have I missed God? Like where have I, just, I tried to escape where he's actually doing something? Where I've, and then also just reflect on like where are the places I can inject Christ's love and grace upon grace into this Christmas season and the rest of this year. That this new year is going to be a different year for City Lights. We're going through a lot of changes, but one of the things that I want to do at City Lights this year is be more involved in the city. And we're starting that with our women's group being involved in the city. Uh, I want to, like, we're going to do things that we're going to inject ourselves into the messiest parts of the city and bring, and bring Christ's love. So I encourage you just to think about the times you, you've maybe missed God because you're looking for a different God. Or just think about places you can go and inject yourself into where you can bring God's grace this Christmas season. Let's reflect for a few minutes.